0: temple. Does everyone speak of his glory? You know what the glory of God is? Hmm. Do you know what the glory of God is? His manifest presence. And in this temple does everyone speak of God's manifest presence. And when God shows up He brings with him all that he is. So right up front, I want to say tonight, if you came in here with any kind of need, if you have a spiritual need, if you have an emotional, soulish need, if you have a physical need, if you have a financial need, Jesus is here to meet your need. So we don't want you to be looking at any man, any woman. You be looking unto the Lord as the word of God goes forth. Your heart is going to be encouraged to receive from him. What are we talking about in this temple? In this temple, doth everyone speak of what? And what is his glory? All right. Amen. Well, you know, I like to talk about the glory and oftentimes I begin in Haggai chapter 2 and uh, we usually skip down and we just quote the scriptures about the glory but the other day I just started reading from verse 1 and I was like you know this is cool because it gives you the background of why we have those scriptures on the glory so I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight at least different for me and we're going to kind of just look at Haggai chapter 2 verse by verse and we'll begin in verse 1. I'm going to start reading it out of the Amplified, so if you don't have that version, you can follow along up here on the screen. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, in the second year of Darius, king of Persia, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying... Obviously, Haggai was a prophet of God. And so when we read these verses, we understand that he was speaking under the inspiration of the spirit of God. And this is what he said. Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of she- Shelatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak." The high priest and to the remainder of the people saying, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not this in your sight as nothing in comparison to that? So what is happening here? This is the last day of the feast of tabernacles, the feast of tabernacles was commemorating the fruits of the land which um, had been won under Joshua's leadership when the children of Israel had possessed the promised land. So this was during a feast time that he's making this this statement. And the backdrop here is that the people are gathering supplies and resources and they're going to begin the rebuilding of the temple. Now, many of them had seen Solomon's temple and Solomon's temple was something to behold. And that's why Haggai here in verse three, he's addressing three issues because he senses what's going on among the thoughts of the people. And the first thing that he is addressing is he's saying those, there are some of you here who have seen Solomon's temple, some of the older ones. And he's addressing that because they were looking to the past. And they were discontent with what they were seeing to begin happening with the rebuilding of the new temple. They, it's kind of like people that live in the past. And they're always talking about the good old days. Do you know anybody that does that? I tell you, some people that played sports in their younger years, and we won't name any names. (laughs) Did I say anybody by name? I didn't, did I? But it reminds me, I've seen these shirts. I think they're great. I should find one. And it says, the older I get, the better I was. And so... That's how it is in some people thinking about the past. They look longingly back to the past and, and that the stories that they remember of their childhood or their times when they played sport, they get bigger and bigger and bigger because they're thinking, Oh, that was just an awesome time. But I want to tell you that our God is not a God of the past. He was there in the past, but he's a God of the future. He's a God of the present and he doesn't want us looking backwards as we, are serving him we're to be <coughs> excuse me looking forward and pressing on to the good things he has in store for us so haggai was addressing this okay there's some of you here that are discontent because you saw solomon's temple and he's saying okay it's not we're not going to live there and then the second thing that we see there And how do you see it now? He's addressing that they're grumbling about the economy. They're grumbling about the limitations of the resources and the materials. Anybody ever heard any of that going on? God says, okay, we're going to do this. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a vision for your life. And then it doesn't look like what you think the picture should look like. And it's easy to start being discontent and saying, when is this going to happen? Why doesn't it, why hasn't it already come to pass? So there's some murmuring and there's some grumbling going on. And then lastly, what he is addressing is some of the people were standing and comparing, comparing what the old temple looked like to what it looked like or seemed like to them that the new temple was going to be like We don't need to compare things that God did in the past. God's got a plan for us now So that's what Haggai I was dealing with now. Let's go on and read here in verse 4 So now he begins to tell them how they're going to tackle building this new temple getting the amplified yet now be strong and alert and courageous, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, alert and courageous, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, alert and courageous, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit stands and abides in the midst of you. Fear not. Isn't that an encouraging word? They have this looks like to them insurmountable task before them of rebuilding the temple. And they're looking around and they're not seeing all the gold and all the silver and all the stuff that was there when Solomon built it. But he is reminding them be strong. Be courageous. Don't get your eyes on what you don't have. Get your eyes upon what you do have. Get your eyes upon God. It says he is in the midst of you. Fear not. In this very passage, he told them three times to be strong. And I like how we read it in the Amplified. Be strong. Be alert. And be courageous. And that is a word for us today. God on the inside of every one of us, He puts callings. He puts purposes. He puts destiny. He puts a plan. And He never asks us to do anything without giving us the equipment to do it. Can I get an amen? amen? We may not see the everything that we need in the natural at the moment when he says I want you to do this, but we walk by faith and not by sight. And we take it a step at a time and we are in faith and not in fear. And that's what he was exhorting them. And this exhortation here was similar to how Joshua had exhorted the people before they went in to possess the land. We won't take time to look at it, but you're familiar with Joshua chapter one. We'll just look at verse six. What did he say there? Be strong. And of good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance, the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. And then the next verse, actually verse seven, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So it's a similar exhortation that here that Haggai is giving them, that Joshua gave them before they went in and possessed the land. He's reminding them God is with you. You're not doing this alone and you don't have to do it. In your own strength. That's a good place to say amen. Aren't you glad that whatever we face in this life, we can do it in the power of the Lord. We can be strong and courageous, not in our own abilities, but in God who's on the inside of us. There's a verse in Proverbs and it says a strong spirit of a man will sustain him. How does our spirit get strong? Our spirit gets strong the same way that it said there in Joshua where we meditate on the word of the Lord. We literally meditate on this word, the Bible, we find promises in here that cover our case. And then when God speaks to your individual life and he gives you a vision, he gives you a dream. You need to meditate on those things. You need to confess the word over it. You need to say, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it shall be by his spirit. We need to have the attitude that Mary had When the angel Gabriel came to her and told her that she was going to bear a son supernaturally, the Lord Jesus Christ, she said to that angel, how shall these things be? And his response was the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and overshadow you. And that's the same response for us today when we face impossible looking situations, when God drops a dream on the inside of us and we don't know where to begin or how to start to walk down that path of fulfillment, lean to the greater one and say, I have a helper, I have supernatural equipment, I have the Holy ghost. He's going to come on me. He's going to overshadow me. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. Doesn't the Bible say that we, that are the sons of God, we are led by the spirit of God. And he leads us one step at a time. He leads us from victory to To victory. From faith to faith. Hallelujah. Even regarding our nation. We don't need to be in fear. Thank God for the help of the Holy Ghost. Be strong. Be courageous. The Lord is with us. It's what Haggai told the people. Don't be concerned about how... All these things are going to come to pass. He was reminding them that the temple will be rebuilt if you don't lose heart and you don't lose your willingness to depend upon God. The question was not one of resources, but it was one of faith. And that's still the same issue today. If we have faith, nothing is impossible to him that believe. Us. Amen. Yes. We are people of faith. We are in covenant with a covenant keeping God. What the enemy was trying to do here as they were rebuilding this. You know he didn't want them to rebuild the temple. He's always hated the people of God. And he's always uh, done his best to keep the people of God from possessing territory, from building buildings, just like this one. He didn't want them to rebuild that. So he's trying to bring discouragement and he's trying to get the people's eyes on what they didn't have. How much better he's trying to, he tells him, Oh, it was so much better. In the past, you'll never be able to do that again, but they were not considering God's faithfulness. God is faithful and God has unlimited resources. We serve a supernatural God. That's why we can boldly say, no matter what goes on in our nation, and we're calling it blessed of the Lord, because there are more of us that love God. We are the salt of this land. And as long as the Christian people will honor God, walk in faith, call on the name of the Lord, our nation will be blessed. But regardless of what goes on in the political realm or the economic realm, it doesn't matter. We have this promise. God is with us. God is for us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging for bread. We have to walk by faith. I live by faith. I put my trust in you. Look at second uh, Corinthians chapter four verse eighteen. while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are temporal and the amplified it says temporary, but all the things which are seen are not seen are eternal. When you look at a situation. When these people were looking at rebuilding the temple, I'm sure they were thinking, how can this happen? Who can help us? What should we do? Well, the answer to the how and the who is God. And the answer to the what should we do is walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't walk and live our lives according to the economy or according to what's going on around us. We walk by faith. Now let's go back to Haggai chapter 2. And this, he continues to exhort them and to let them hear what God is promising to do. Remember, this is a prophetic utterance from a prophet of God. And he's speaking. And many times when you see prophecies in the old covenant, there's a dual meaning. He's speaking, of course, literally to the people right there. But oftentimes it also has a dual meaning of what's to come under the new covenant. And that's where you and I live. So let's read here in verse 6 through 8, again in the Amplified. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake and tremble the starry heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and the desire and the precious things. I want you to remember that phrase, the precious things of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Haggai was prophesying that there was literally going to be a shaking of nations and the resources that they needed to build the temple would come in. But it was also a prophetic utterance to the last days where nations would literally be shaken. What, do you know that's going on today? A whole lot of shaking is going on. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. There are nations that have crumbled. In a day, there are ungodly men that have come down from power in a day's time, dictators and evil, evil control over people. We're seeing that stuff being shaken loose. That's what he's talking about in our day. And as a result, when nations are shaken to the core, what happens in the next verse there? We read it. The silver. And the gold, it comes into the rightful owners. It comes into the kingdom of God. Amen. And it's not that we're after people's wealth. What we are after are the finances that will be there to finance the gospel. And God's very best is when things begin to shake, when nations begin to shake, when uh, institutions begin to shake, haven't we seen that over the past years? The retirement funds, IRAs, all of that stuff, the stock market, there's been a shaking that is going on. And we're not saying, oh, just give us that money. What we want to see happen are people and their money. People that wealthy people come into the kingdom of God when all that they have depended on, all that they put their trust and confidence confidence in when it begins to shake, there's people that are shaken because their retirement has gone down. There's people that are shaking because they've lost their jobs and different things. And when that begins to happen, we want them to come into the kingdom of God. There's always going to be an abundance in the household of faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. Abundant provision, wealth and riches, oil, natural resources, gold and silver, precious jewels that are, they've been hidden for this time. And when all this shaking begins to happen in the economy and around the world, one of the things that's going to be the result of that are these hidden things are going to be found. My family, I've been hearing about it already. There's things in in Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma is known. Oklahoma, Texas is known for a lot of oil resource. But there hadn't been any drilling there for years. But recently someone, I wish it was a Christian. That would have been awesome. I don't know. But someone developed a new means to drill oil. So now they're able to go down further. And this oil had been there all the time. But there was like this shell rock that they couldn't break through. And now they have this new equipment. And they're finding oil all over the place. The resources are in this earth. We don't have to be concerned about it. God's not up in heaven going, oh, I knew I should have put more oil there. Oh. What was I thinking? I should have put more fresh water. They're all going to choke to death. They're not going to have any fuel to drive those cars. You know, God's the one that helped people invent automobiles, invent the airplanes, the trains, everything that we travel on today. And don't you think that he planned it out, that there's going to be enough fuel for those to continue to get us where we need to go? One main reason. Is so people can travel around the world and bring the gospel. The silver is his. The gold is his. And I guarantee you there are wealth and resources in this earth, in this planet that have not been tapped into yet. And I'm believing Christians are going to find him. Amen. But what he's trying to get them to see here, I always kind of wondered, how come it's talking about the glory and then it's talking about the silver and the gold? Well, of course, we need those resources to finance the gospel. But this just hit me. Actually, yesterday I was reading it. Let's look back at verse 7. I will shake all nation and the desire and the precious things of all nations shall come in. What is the precious things? In the nations. The precious things is not their oil, it's not their diamonds, it's the people. People are precious to the Lord. That's why he shakes nations. Because people that have been held in bondage by evil governments and ungodly things and, and rulers that have said there's no God. Think of the people that were so bound by communism. That's why communism was shaken to the core. That's why the Berlin Wall came down. Because God was saying, precious people are there. And they need to hear the gospel. People were getting in there limitedly. But when that wall fell, it was wide open for whosoever will to hear the gospel. Precious things in the nation are people. And that's why nations are shaken so that the gospel can get in there and have free course. Why hasn't Jesus come yet? Well, I'm glad you ask. Over in James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and he hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. A good place to say hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) The coming... Of the Lord draweth nigh. When you see nations begin to crumble. When you see nations begin to be shaken. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to look up for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Signs of His coming are everywhere. And He has been waiting for this precious fruit. For this harvest to come into his family. He's waiting for his harvest barns to be filled with precious things. And that's people. And then he continues prophesying. And he tells us, okay, there's going to be a shaking. in these precious things, this harvest, these people are going to come in. And then he says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a harvest tool. I'm going to fill this house with glory. He promised that he's going to fill the house with glory. Did we read that one yet? What verse did we leave off in? The silver is mine. Yes. In verse seven. And I will fill this house with Glory. Amen. What he goes on after he says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. He reminds them the most precious thing is not about the building. The most important thing to God, which we got to have buildings, we got to have temples, we got to have places, harvest, barns. But what he's wanting them to see is I'm going to give you the silver and the gold. I'm going to give you the resources to build your temple, but then I'm going to fill it with my glory. And that's the most important thing is having God's presence. In our midst. In this temple doth everyone speak of what? In this temple, doth everyone speak of what? His glory. And what is his glory? Our attitude here is God, we have to have your presence. We must have the anointing. Fill this temple with your glory. When God comes and he fills a place with his glory, you know what begins to happen? People are set free people that are sick are healed in their body. The lame begin to walk. The blind begin to see. Miracles begin to happen. People receive restoration and it is noised abroad. God is in the midst of his people. God is doing signs and wonders. If you need anything from God, go to that place. He is showing up and he is showing out. And this this church is not the only one in the Bay area. Thank God for any church that will exalt the name of the Lord, any church that will welcome him to manifest himself in this last day. He's going to show himself strong. He's going to fill temples with his glory. But this is one Because we're contending for the glory of God. How many of you in here, you have an area in your life that you get to say, oh man, God, show yourself strong. Manifest yourself in my body. Manifest yourself in my children. Oh God, I thank you for your glory coming upon my finances. Hallelujah. The answers are in him. He said... I'm going to give you harvest help. What else did he promise? What else did Haggai prophesy concerning our day in our time? Let's look now at verse 9. The latter glory of this house with its successor to which Jesus came shall be greater than the former. That's something right there to be happy about shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace and prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter will be greater than of the former. The former people of God that he's talking to here, they only had... The glory manifesting in their literal temple that they were built. The Shekinah glory came into the holy of holies and they knew that that's where God's presence was. But I think one of the reasons that he said the glory of the latter house will be greater than of the former is he was seeing down through the quarters of time and he was seeing it even mentions it in the Amplified. He was seeing Jesus coming and dying for us. He was seeing a new and a better covenant than they had. He was seeing a time when no longer would God just dwell in temples made with hands. But he was prophesying and he was seeing that day, that day of your and my day. He was seeing that time when the temple literally Our temple would be filled with his glory. (laughs) The glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former. God coming and living in his people, not just in a building that's greater glory. And when the church age started after Jesus had died and been risen from the dead, the church age started out in glory. The church age started out in power signs, Wonders and miracles, and all down through church history, we can study and we can see that there have been awesome revivals, there have been great outpouring of his spirit. There's been times when the glory of God so rested upon the body of Christ that healing was just in the air. That's what they tell us during the healing revival of the late 1940s over into the 1950s. They said healing was in the air. That's the glory of God. That's how the church age Began, but we have this prophecy from Haggai the prophet. He looked down and he said, but I see a day coming, not just when the church will begin, but when the church age ends before Jesus comes, that the glory of the Lord of the latter house is going to be greater than of the farmer. And that's where we're at. That's where you and I are living. We can expect greater glory. Not just when we come together. Thank God for when we come together and there can be a corporate anointing and that is so powerful. But I saw this today. God said he dwells in us and he wants your temple to be filled with glory. What does that look like when our temple is filled with glory? Doesn't the Bible say we are temples of the Holy Ghost? He lives in us. And when we are filled with him, wall to wall God, how does that look? What is that like? What are we supposed to expect? I am a temple of glory. That means in my spirit, there's no worry. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. Because I got him living in me. That means my mind, because I'm a temple filled with God himself. My mind Is at peace. I'm not tormented. I'm not full. Of fear. About the future. It means. I'm a temple. Of glory. And it's greater glory. On the inside of me. That means my body. Is being quickened. That means. I am healed. From the top of my head. To the soles of my feet. Cause where God goes, where God walks, all that He is manifest. If we just got that revelation, I'm a temple of glory. God lives in me. Where I go, He goes. He talks through me. He walks through me. He touches people through me. And that power that's on the inside of me, the glory of God, is flowing through me to others. Amen. How many of you will join me in expecting greater glory? And then I like the end of this verse. He says, in this place, I will give peace and prosperity. Peace here in our midst, but peace here also. Peace, peace, shalom, shalom. Literally means nothing missing. Nothing broken. Haggai was prophesying. prophesying, The glory of the latter house will be greater than of the former. And the latter house of God, the body of Christ, will be whole. Peace, peace. Because of the work of the cross. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. And prosperity. He promised to meet all of our needs. Amen. Amen. Well, do you receive it tonight? Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Father, for your word. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to live on the inside of us. That we are temples of glory. Hallelujah, terrible sombra keted. Oh, we bless you. In na na na